I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to a very special episode of Nine Cents. I'm being joined today by Magus Peter H. Gilmore, High Priest of the Church of Satan. How are you, Magus Gilmore? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me back. It is an absolute honor. At, I'm really excited for this. We're going to be talking about Church of Satan Year 50. We have nearly 50 years of the Church of Satan's existence, and there is a lot contained within those 50 years. I, good and bad. I mean the way that it's been treated. So I, what I would really want to do is, we got 50 years to talk about, let's break it into five different sections. So the first is going to be the history and impact of the Church of Satan. Then the Church of Satan's goal is to educate. And the richness, and the third one, is the richness of the Church of Satan's members and their applications of Satanism. We'll move into uh, the Church of Satan's celebrations as the fourth segment, and we're going to end with the future of the Church of Satan. Uh, we have a lot to go over, so we're just going to dive right in here to the first section, the history and impact of the Church of Satan. Uh, Magus Gilmore, uh, when, when Anton LaVey first formed the Church of Satan, do you imagine he expected it to last 50 years? Well, I think Anton LaVey definitely felt he was onto something. He really felt that he had tapped into an aspect of human nature that hadn't been properly addressed. And he knew that there were other people out there like himself that, that uh, this would find that this philosophy would be natural to them. So I think he had a sense that it could last uh, 50 years and beyond because he said for a new religion, the first 99 years are always the toughest. He said that 10 years into it. It was uh, <laughs> printed that in the cloven hoof. So definitely he was looking for 99 years as the beginning frame and well beyond there. So absolutely, I think he really felt that he was establishing something that had legs and would find people who it would enrich for centuries to come. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting because I, I look at um, a lot of other uh, newer American religions and it really seems like their foundations were based around the idea of um, bloviating an individual or trying to capitalize and, and earn just basically be, be a business that doesn't have to pay taxes. And the Church of Satan is very much completely different than any of those other religions. It is very much a protection of the creation. You know, the entire uh, organization centered around um, uh, protecting and defining Satanism as a religion. 
Well, regardless of, of what other religions and their founders intended, as we see anytime something becomes really a massive part of society, it creates mm. its own inertia. You know, the Roman Catholic Church is amazingly wealthy and powerful, and, and so are many other churches, too. You know, they're the leading example, and they've been around for 2,000 years, so it's quite something. Uh, but with Satanism, the, the main difference is this. We are the carnal religion, and the religion is meant that each and every one of us is our own God. So it's not centered on the religion. It's not a cause. In Satanism, the cause is each Satanist themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's got built into it a complete anti-approach to most other religions. You know, we are not going to build church structures. We are not going to be out there running around linking arm in arm to, to do these kind of things <laughs> and setting ourselves up as some kind of, yes, we're a cause. We have to do this for others because it's, it's not what it's about, essentially. I mean, really, fundamentally, in the Church of Satan, if somebody by themselves read the Satanic Bible and it worked for them, that's all you need. You don't need any other Satanists. You don't need any other materials. You can be a Satanist on your own, self-recognized if you read our literature. And that's our real strength. We don't need brick-and-mortar temples and churches and synagogues. They're irrelevant. Uh, I think it's so wonderful that our idea of ritual space is that if you like ritual, if it's a tool that works for you, you do it at home. You do it in a highly customized space of any sort that you want. It could be a dedicated room. It could be a closet. It could be stuff that you take out of, you know, storage when you need it. It's mm -hmm. so flexible. And, and that whole sense of individual primacy is lacking in all other religions. So that's a power for us that we don't need to build these kind of structures. And that very interestingly, regardless of however society goes, whether it gets to a point where one would have to go completely underground because some kind of other religion had hegemony and wanted to persecute anybody who didn't believe, a Satanist can do that because a Satanist doesn't have to go out there and wear a baphomet and wear black <laughs> and go hail Satan. They can dress however they want. They could fit in. But as long as they find a way to enjoy their life to the fullest, they can survive anything. They could survive totalitarian regimes. They can survive libertarian re regimes. They could flourish in any of them because it's not about running around waving a flag and saying, I'm a Satanist. It's about <laughs> living your life. And, and we yeah. can do that in any situation. I love it. I mean, you've spoken to some of um, the strengths of Satanism there. What impact did the Church of Satan as the organization initially have on society? I mean, was it taken seriously at all? Well, it was, as you might imagine, kind of a freak show. Uh, <laughs> back in the 60s, a lot of alternative religions were happening. You know, the Beatles were interested in Eastern philosophies, and you had the whole neo-pagan thing. The Wicca had been started by Gardner in the 50s based on Crowley and other things that he'd read about. And... Uh, Really, there was a, a whole bunch of witches who were on TV, Louise Hubner and Sybil Leake, you know, trying to be spooky and cookie witchy <laughs> or sexy. I mean, Louise Hubner was definitely trying to play up the sex angle. And, and their whole idea was to say, uh, on a certain level, they were they're taking some past traditions and having fun with them. So it, it was kind of a wild free-for-all hodgepodge. And so out of that, Anton LaVey looked at all this and said, well, you know, there's a whole occult thing going on and, and I could probably do something – that could work with that, but his goals and his personal directions were not theistic. He was not a supernatural person. He'd worked as a ghostbuster. He knocked down all these ideas of the supernatural. You know, he would do these investigation of nut calls. But he saw that people wanted some kind of 
of, of additional trappings or ideas around the prosaic. So he understood that, that the idea of ritual was really natural to people, regardless of whether it served belief in something that didn't exist or belief in oneself and the truth about one's existence. So he felt there was a need there, a, a place that was in between uh, religion and psychiatry that used science, but also used an understanding of human nature. And mm -hmm. so he made the Church of Satan because it was something that didn't exist, but he felt that it really could sol you know, satisfy a lot of needs. So some people did take it seriously. They would uh, ask him some probing questions that, that really got to the philosophy. But for the most part, uh, you know, because there were naked altars and Satanism was sexy, uh, <laughs> it w he was in mag men's magazines a lot, you know, things that had pretty much disappeared, that kind of uh, publication, where there'd be, you know, centerfolds and lots of nudity, and there'd be sort of articles about fun and, and different kinds of food and different kind of places in the world to go for fun, sex and drinking, eating, whatever. Uh, so the Church of Satan being a carnal religion definitely felt at home in those publications. We, it, we didn't feel that, that that was some kind of step down because these were carnal publications. Uh, the people who were reading them were people who were already trying to lead lives that celebrated their own carnality. So suddenly seeing that there was a philosophy out there that supported that, I was, wow, you know, this was kind of a good, good approach to get it out there. But of course, the serious scholars naturally would frown on that and feel like, well, this is rather déclassé. Uh, <laughs> But, but then again, though, there were scholars who would come and be part of the Church of Satan to try – some infiltrated to, to get an idea of what it was like. And uh, they would write seriously about it and try to come to an understanding of what LaVey was doing. And again, he, for him, the Church of Satan was a social experiment, that he was trying to see a way of creating a church that wasn't like all the other churches. He's calling it a church for the attention factor, but the structure, the underground cabal, was a really different approach. And something that we've maintained, it does work. And uh, we'll talk a little later about how it's working today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there must have been, uh, I mean, anyone who has read any information about the Church of Satan knows that there have been a number of hurdles it has had to get over um, in its, uh, really, in, in its growth as a religion and its, its spread throughout as it was spread around the world. Um, what are some of those hurdles that it had to overcome in order to be taken seriously? At the beginning, uh, one of the major stumbling blocks was that we didn't have a, a text that defined our philosophy. So when the Satanic Bible came out in 1969, that really answered a lot of people's questions. Most religions had some kind of text that you could go by, had some sort of Bible or scripture. Mm -hmm. And by the time Antolave supplied that, that really gave us some groundwork so that people could have something to go to and say, oh, okay, what are you about? Here it is. Prior to that, they were generally just articles and newspaper stories. Uh, so that they were, you know, again, pictures of naked altars, Anton LaVey wearing the horns and waving a sword around. And depending on the skill of the reporter, uh, you know, either an accurate summary or something that was kind of nebulous and sensationalistic. So really getting our philosophy defined was a critical part for Church of Satan and, you know, the concept of modern Satanism. Because, of course, as we know now that scholars are acknowledging that Satanism as a, an integrated philosophy and religion really didn't happen until Anton LaVey began it in 1966. That the, the few people earlier than he uh, might have been beholden to Satan, might have seen him as a positive figure, but none of them had any kind of lasting influence or created a body of literature that defined a philosophy that could spawn a movement. 
So that was, it was very important to not only have the charisma to do the showbiz part that would get attention, but that Dr. LeVay actually had the, the, the chops to sit down and craft a philosophy that was workable, that was really influenced by significant thinkers of the past. You look back to Epicurus and you look back to you know, aspects of Nietzsche and of Locke and Hume and, and so many others of uh, individualist philosophers. You know, but literature too. You looked, he looked to, to Mark Twain. And he was also totally inspired by things like film noir for the philosophy embodied in those kind of carnal films that deal with the universe as a challenging place that may not necessarily go your way, that you have to struggle to make your place in. So you know, he, had, he saw all of that and pulled it together. And that was his real achievement. And that was what really blasted all the hurdles out of the way. Subsequent to that, of course, it was getting people to read the book, but it, the paperback <laughs> became mass market. You know, that was the other thing. The Wiccans had their own book of shadows, but it was hand copied and, you know, really didn't get out there. A mm -hmm. mass market copy of that it wasn't until decades later that it came out. And all these different people who were people in the witchcraft scene would write their own takes on things. So it immediately became watered down and filtered and, and changed. With the Satanic Bible, you had a bedrock philosophy that, that is rational and coherent, and it was in a mass market paperback, and followed, of course, by the Satanic Rituals and the Complete Witch, later to be titled The Satanic Witch. He really had a triple play there that, that got a whole method of, of bringing philosophy that had roots in the past, but also it brought together Anton LaVey's own concepts of how human nature was, how it could be defined, how it could be used, and how it could be lived. And that really was our, our, our bedrock. It's, it's interesting to me because part of what garnered so much attention with the um, early Church of Satan was the theatricality of it. Uh, you know, as you're saying, the nude altars and the, the capes and the, the horns. Do you think that also stopped it from in, in some areas, stopped it from even being seen as a serious religion. Oh, I, mean, I would think, was, yeah, certain, certainly. I'm sure some people looked at that and said, well, this is hokey. Um, you know, here's this guy. Who is this guy? He's got his head shaved. He looks sort of like Ming the Merciless, which was completely, you know, his intention. Dr. Lovey <laughs> grew up with those Flash Gordon serials, and it's like, Charles Milton looks awesome. I want to <laughs> go for that. So, uh, yeah, that, that for many people was, they felt that it was too much of a showbiz thing. But... As again, we keep pointing out that, you know, hell, you go look at a service at the Vatican, there's all oh, these yeah. gold, you know, as, as they said in uh, Rosemary's <laughs> Baby, when you hear Minnie go, all oh, those robes, those jewels, you know, <laughs> like, hell, they're showbiz too. You know, there's a giant altar, brass altar that Michelangelo had a hand in that's like three stories tall. It's like, give me a break. They had plenty of showbiz, uh, you know, but what Anton LaVey had was just a real kind of carnival approach to it. And that's mm -hmm. what kind of frightened people. Now, there had always been those sort of 10-show revivalists, and most of that stuff wasn't necessarily uh, put out there. People had to experience that directly. It was very earthy. People would be in these tents, and it would be hot, and there would be music playing, they'd be singing, and there would be hellfire and brimstone speeches. And Anton LaVey played the organ and, and piano and whatever they had available in those and got to see how people behaved. But he also saw how effective that could be at moving folks. And being somebody who worked in the carnival, he thought, well, the carnival is it's carnality. It's a carnival. Like that's <laughs> but it's part. That's really a great origin for it. Nobody else had used that kind of specific approach previously. He felt that it was a unique way of presenting this very earthy philosophy, coming from the wisdom of the carny. 
And mm. uh, for a lot of people, of course, the Carney people were looked at as scurrilous. And Anton LaVey felt, well, a lot of the scoundrels, so-called scoundrels in the world, were people who actually knew what was going on more than the people who claimed to be such upright, fine citizens. <laughs> so that, again, was, it was an approach to not be a rube like the people who attended the carnivals, but to be a carny, to be the savvy one, the one who pulled the strings, the one who saw behind the smoke and mirrors. And so it was aesthetically really appropriate and shocking. But also, too, part of what he wanted was to be a filter. He picked Satan because Satan is the ultimate evil, the adversary, the accuser, the opposer. And at the time, Satan scared the hell out of a lot of people that it took some balls to come forward and say, well, I'm going to embrace this philosophy that holds itself the church of Satan. Because people said, oh, look at me, the church of Lucifer, the light bearer. Or you could pick any, any other like sort of more sweetly euphonious infernal name out there. <laughs> Like the, the, the uh, you know, spiritual temple of Benfagor or whatever. <laughs> you know, you could, you could go to any of these sort of things. Yeah. But, but it, it's, it, there's no balls there. And that was his whole point, that, that it had to be ballsy. It had to be right in your face. And that it was meant to filter out the people who were wimps. It was meant to keep those folks who needed a good guy badge aside. It's like, it's not for you. It's the church of Satan. You know, <laughs> deal with it. If you can't deal with that, then move along. Well, it certainly did work um, for a lot. And it garnered a lot of media attention, which spread the existence of the Church of Satan and Satanism as uh, a religion and a philosophy out across the United States. At what point did it turn global, really? I mean, is there a, a defining time when you could say that that Satanism really spanned the globe? Um and with that, how does a religion with a global appeal have a clear, concise message through translation? Well, to first start, the, uh, since the Church of Satan got high-end media, aside from the men's magazines, mm-hmm. uh, there were pictures in major newspapers out there and in major, you know, really big deal magazines like Time and Look. You know, he was out there. So those have an international audience. So right away, people around the planet got to see that there is this Anton LaVey guy running a church of Satan. (laughs) Now, they might immediately assume it was some kind of devil worship, which many did. And as then as now, we still get a lot of people approaching us wanting to worship the devil and sell their souls (laughs) and all that kind of nonsense. That's sort of a (laughs) built-in hazard for what we're doing. Uh, But uh, it really... uh, it, again, it, the globe, globalness of it was right away. People started sending in membership applications from all over the world. It, was, uh, it didn't take long. It was, it was because Anton LaVey was media savvy that he did get out there and had his material out there. And then again, the mass market paperback, and it got out there in other translations. So folks knew about it. And uh, again, there was an occult revolution going on where the Order of the Golden Dawn was looking for new people and – the whole neo-pagan thing was spreading and spreading and spreading. So uh, in that milieu, Satanism was something that was rubbing elbows with a lot of different alternative points of view. And uh, people around the planet were, were looking for it. They were unhappy. The 60s were a time of great questioning when people mm. looked at the status quo, looked at the established churches, and looked at the established governments and found them wanting. They found them too repressive and too uh, – they're not progressive at all in many aspects – uh, at the time. So that was shook. There, people were willing to shake things up, but their shaking things up included a lot of research. 
and not standing around and whining about it, which seems to be what happens a lot today, that, that <laughs> folks, folks would do research. They'd actually seek out thinkers from other cultures and examine what they had to say. And sometimes these things got adapted well to a format that people could apply. Uh, there's, we're still living in the fallout of so many of those things. So many different interesting religions came about. And, uh, and, and America was the fountainhead of it. Because, uh, again, we've always been kind of a pioneering culture here where uh, folks came here to be what they really wanted to be mm-hmm. without the uh, overhanging old aristocracies or old economies. They could forge their own way here. And that kind of spirit, which is still woven into the American attitude that seems to be the osmo consciousness of almost anybody who's grown up here, infiltrates us in a way that, that leads us to wanting to define ourselves, to not wanting to kowtow to foreign powers like the Pope is, is considered a foreign power. He's a foreign mm-hmm. head of state. And uh, interestingly, Anton LaVey had said that, that Satanism is kind of a form of Americanism. That, uh, and, and, and again... That can sometimes be a stumbling block for foreign people. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but they have to look beyond it to the principles that Satanism embraces that are actually universal. Uh, the idea of the, the, the primacy of the individual and one's sovereignty of one's destiny to be in one's own hands. It is, it is really core to what it means to be an American. And so it's, it, it just makes sense that out of that you would have a philosophy like Satanism that also champions the individual and the the ability of the individual to pull themselves out of their own rut and stand on their own two feet. Um, gosh, there, there's so much uh, in this that is uh, just begging, uh, uh, delving a little bit deeper here. With With that idea, I mean, Satanism in and of itself, it's there's some complex ideas that go into it. Uh, one, just being that idea of, of championing the individual, which we as Americans see as just, well, no, duh, that's how we've always been raised, that's how our culture, but there are, virtually every other culture in the world doesn't see things that way, doesn't see the individual as special, but a part of a greater whole. Do you think that's the core to a lot of the misunderstanding in, um, in, that persists to today of what Satanism is? Well, it's, it's interesting that in the past when we've seen in philosophers who bring up something that makes an individual stand apart from the rest of the culture, uh, they can often be demonized. Nietzsche, of course, is, is often seen in that light because his, his particular perspective, he understood Christianity and its approach towards basically creating a slave mentality, essentially, that one is always kowtowing to the will of, of a god and trying to win his favor by doing what needs be done to be saved and part of some kind of weird collective after one dies in heaven. That, uh, you know, and that, that the whole morality there does not support any kind of individualism and, and self-discipline and triumph of, of oneself, that you're always having to sub- subjugate yourself to the masses on some level that, you know, mm-hmm. love people, let them hit you on one cheek and then turn the other one and get hit again. And uh, when you say no to that, that really becomes something that upsets the entire apple cart because the idea of individualism often only arises in cultures where a certain sense of decadency has been in place because that's a culture that isn't struggling in a sense. It's defined itself that it's reached a certain sort of stability and has reached past the stability so that people are pleasure-seeking, that they have time to examine themselves, they have time to explore their own personal limits. And 
that's uh, not something that I mean that that's a regular thing that happens in Western and other societies, but it's not the norm. It's a period that occurs now and again, and satanic ideas tend to be pow- more powerful in those periods when the time comes when the the basic forces of the society are not trying to unite a bunch of people to create the society. It's like once the society is created, then people can then explore themselves. Although the American West, again, is, is an interesting alternative because that was really rather wild and chaotic. And people now tend to study how did order come to such places where, where there was rampant individualism, there was crime, but also enterprise and business that so many amazing things were done and also many horrible things were done. <laughs> but ultimately, it wasn't the kind of marshalling conquests that you've often seen in the past where societies that coexist with one another, one will begin to dominate and often militarily or economically crush another intentionally. Uh, this kind of coalesced from chaos into a very interesting order that often still retain some characteristics of, of the kind of cabal approach that we so cherish. The idea that, that you don't need to unify yourself into this kind of lockstep in order to achieve things, that, that things can actually be done when you find people that share similar purposes and they decide themselves to work towards them, but not sacrifice who and what they are in the process. Yeah. That, uh, that's wonderful. Um, do you think the focus on America i mean as the years go by and um more and more of an international presence grows within satanism do you think that um the church of satan's focus on america or or the the seeming focus the apparent focus on america will alter um in the coming years well you know i think that because america was a unique place that was a, a, the fertile soil from which Satanism sprang, uh, doesn't mean that it's, it's holding only to American values and, and issues and people. Uh, mm-hmm. Anton LaVey certainly looked back to the past and looked to European philosophers. And, uh, and of course, he, you know, he loved European culture, the, the great romantic literature, great decadent literature, the symbolism that, that arose from European sources. You know, the Baphomet itself comes from French occultism. So... All of these aspects are, 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 are not American in origin, but he picked and chose from these part these threads that could be woven into this dark tapestry that made Satanism. So it's it's while an Americanism was a great uh, uh, sort of flower pot in which to plant the seeds, mm-hmm. it's it's grown into a plant that that has roots that are global. Look into many different cultures in the past that uh, Anton LaVey took aspects of to to bring into part of Satanism. And I think that's one of the excellent aspects for our global membership. And again, it became global pretty quickly that our members, if they liked researching the particular culture from which they sprang, we were quite happy to see them dig up aspects of it that reflect sort of the satanic... uh, worldview, that the natural Satanism that has always existed, the de facto Satanists in the past, to pull those people out and hold them up and say, see, here's another one, that these kind of individuals have existed throughout human society. They've often been alienated. They've often been demonized, but they're creative. They, they hold their own. They stand against the forces of, of herd behavior. And they've always been out there in, in all different world cultures. And I think that as the movement continues, and we, we get even more people in these different countries that the researchers will be there to, to pull these folks 
out and to you know, dig up their literature, to dig up their music, to dig up their art and, and celebrate it as the satanic roots that it is uh, mm -hmm. for what we do now. Uh, so it, we're clearly not limited to American things. We're we we absolutely a global diabolical culture and we're going to continue to, to, you know, plant more of those trees. You know, we'll find those seeds and we'll cultivate them. And that's a challenge for the next 50 years to keep that going, to keep looking for those things. And our scholars are, are dealing with it. As we, as you saw over the Conclave weekend, we have, oh, yeah. you know, academics involved in doing just that. And we work with actual scholars who are supposedly, uh, uh, you know, they're not part of any particular religion, but studying it, but they, they look for things that are the roots of Satanism around the world. And, uh, LeVay made plenty of references to all of these things, and there are more out there that have informed the things that he found. And that's going to be an interesting ongoing task for our future generations to find those things and to celebrate them. I think that's a really interesting differentiation, another of the many, between uh, Satanism as a religion and, and a lot of other religions, if not all other religions out there. Most of them are really regionally focused at their core or in their in their texts it started in this area and it moved from this area to this area and and to what you were just speaking to satanism very much borrows just little pieces of uh, the most carnal sides of us the best parts of us and that means that you have to reach out throughout all of history in all territories to find those de facto Satanists and those ideas that they were espousing at the time. So it's very much not a regional construct, which which does fly in the face of a lot of the apparent views of Satanism saying that it is Americanism. Because just to what you're speaking to, it is very much uh, a world human-based religion. Not everything stems from the founding fathers, for example, it stems from human experience through history, the rabble rousers, the free thinkers. And so no matter where you are in the world, you can find that. And this is the really, uh, truly wonderful piece of it. You can find the connection in history to some of these, these seeds that ended up growing into Satanism. And that's you're able to transport yourself back in time through that. And that's a very exciting thing because that it, that says, okay, well, Satanism as an organization, as a religion, um, well, that's 50 years codified. But Satanism as a human expression is timeless as humanity. I mean, that's oh, a absolutely. powerful idea. Yeah, well, th that's also why I define us as a meta-tribe, that mm -hmm. we do not come from one particular ethnic or one particular region that... The people who are Satanists, the ones who are naturally carnal, the ones who don't need a god above or a devil below to tell them what to do or, or to be in service to some political leader, those who can create their own horizons, as Nietzsche said, we spring from every different culture on the globe. And again, that uh, is something that, as you said, we're going to continue to look for all the different roots for this and uh, but we're creating new history for it as we speak that mm -hmm. part of the, the beauty of the church of satan is that our members move in society and some of them you know quite invisibly they are, are moving the world to bring satanic ideas to fruition on various uh, some on very large scales to move society mm -hmm. uh, which might terrify some people which is why uh, <laughs> there were some folks being let in on things over the weekend that we absolutely will not let the world at large know about They'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, we're going to have to uh, wrap up this section um, as we're moving on here. 
I do want to close it out with this final question. Uh, as Satanists um, or members of the Church of Satan, um, we often look to our high priests, uh, both Anton LaVey and yourself, as role models and guides through our studying of Satanism and our lives as um, leading as, as Satanists. How do you see the difference between your leadership styles and, and how it relates to Satanism as a whole? Well, Anton LaVey was a founder and therefore he had to be uh, very much of a showman and very charismatic to, to get the kind of attention to launch something, to get it off the ground. And so he had to take that approach. It was, it was uh, mandatory to, to really shake the world and get it going. Uh, I tend to see myself as being a bit broader based in that I can approach it from, from establishing deeper roots for us and spreading the application of the philosophy where he, his intuitions brought it together. I have the time to look at that coherent body and apply it on a much broader level than he had a chance to do while he was alive. And I would say if you want to do something sort of funny in pop culture, it's like he was the Captain Kirk and I'm the Jean-Luc Picard uh, <laughs> of uh, Satanism. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah. You know, we, we, have, we, we have commanding styles, but our approach is different. Uh, but I think equally effective in, in how we reach out to people. Mm -hmm. But again, that's something that you all have to judge. <laughs> like, that's just sort of my rough take on it. But I don't dwell on any of that. I just follow what my nature is. He followed what his nature was. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've been at it this for 14 years now. So uh, it's not doing too bad, I think. Not at all. It's been absolutely fantastic. Let's move on to um, the Church of Satan's goals in education. And not, I want to make sure that it's clear, we're not talking about proselytizing. We're talking about, um, for those interested, having a clear and concise message of what Satanism is. Um, certainly, uh, Anton LaVey conducted a lot of interviews in the early Church of Satan's history. Um, what were some of the, I mean, we already talked about uh, the barriers of the Church of Satan itself um, forming and continuing and moving forward. But what about some of the barriers in just communicating the message? Um, I mean, there was a lot of talk show circuits and there was a lot of, uh, I mean, you'd already mentioned the gentlemen's magazines, but even after that, popular culture magazines uh, through interviews. Um, was, that, was that a, a continual uh, struggle? I don't actually think it was that much of a struggle. I think there is always an interest in Satanism because it's the church of Satan. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to talk to Satanists. They want to find out what that is because it's something that really worked effectively. You know, mm -hmm. it was nine parts respectability, one part outrage. The outrage is the really heavy factor on that. It, it's, it outweighs what's the rest of the iceberg below the water, and that attracts attention. I mean, right now I'm dealing on a regular basis with major media. I, I just talked to TMZ the other day about one issue and I'm doing something <laughs> for Newsweek next week. So we're out there and, and, you know, it was working that way for Dr. LeVay. He did interviews. But again, I think the most important thing was that we had a defining text, that he had a solid basis to work from, that if you wanted to find out what Satanism was, if you heard him on, on a TV show, or read one of these articles, whether it be in a men's magazine or in you know, the New York Times or something, that you could say, well, what is that? And you could then go to a bookstore and say, oh, well, if it's not in stock, I can order it, the, the Satanic Bible, and ta-da, you can read it, and it's affordable, and the whole thing is there. 
It's, it's what launches you. What's, so the whole point, purpose of the Church of Satan is to educate people about what Satanism is. And that's why establishing a website was very important to us. And towards Anton LaVey's final years, we talked about exactly what that should be because we knew that was going to be the next step and that he wasn't likely to be around to see it through. And, uh, you know, Peggy and I very specifically sat down and talked with him about how the directions for that would go. And so we did it. We made it happen. And you know, now you particularly uh, have helped to give it a rebirth, our, our wonderful new website that uses all of the up-to-date bells and whistles that technology can <laughs> offer. And we're going to keep on top of that. Uh, additionally, uh, trying to get uh, translations of the works out there. Of course, mm -hmm. most of the material is written in English. Uh, but uh, Dr. LeVay's books have been translated. My book has been translated into a lot of languages. We, we have the links to those on the website. So uh, it's out there, and we keep getting it out there and for more different people to be able to, to read it because the right people, again, will see it as a mirror and find themselves reflected in it and go, gee, I never knew that I was a Satanist, but isn't that kind of cool? And, and now with having a definition and a very clearly defined perspective, it then makes their efforts to get the most out of life that much more effective. It is a really good tool for people. So I'm wondering if I can take a step back um, for a minute. Uh, at what point were you brought in to uh, be the voice of Satan or, or one of the voices of Satanism? Well, interestingly, when we met Anton LaVey originally, he right away asked me to, to be one of the representatives. He felt that uh, through my application and through the correspondence we'd had that uh, I understood the philosophy very well and that he welcomed me to do it. And uh, I did some, some written pieces for different publications and then I kind of got launched right into the... the full-fledged fury of things, uh, <laughs> middle of the satanic panic by doing Sally yeah. Jesse Raphael. And uh, I never stopped from there. I, it's just been kind of a whirlwind. I mean, at this point, I am the world's most interviewed Satanist. And <laughs> I think it'd take a while for anybody to catch up. Yeah. I've, been, I've done many, many, many interviews over the years and, and still do. So you know, my goal to educate people has, has occupied most of my time. Uh, long before I became the high priest, I was doing that with Anton LaVey's blessing. And... Uh, and one of the important things for me now is cultivating other people to help with that. And I, the Church of Satan, I never want to look like a mom and pop kind of shop. Like mm -hmm. oftentimes you see these these people, oh, we've got this religion. Well, who's going to explain it? Like, oh, the person who, who made it. Um, do you have anybody else who can actually do a good job? Well, not really. Uh, they, <laughs> they'll put somebody out there and they'll just sound like a, an idiot or, uh, you know, they just don't have the wherewithal. And it's often because those people don't really have a, a real coherent philosophy anyway. They're just mm -hmm. skating by on just a few issues or some point that they think will bring them attention. But for me now, it's been a really important goal. Well, actually, since I took over, you know, 14 years ago is to cultivate people who can be out there, who can represent us on all different levels from the many, I mean, we get everyday students doing research papers who write to us. So I have a whole cadre of folks who I send that to and they, they help when they, they need to. I mean, usually we tell them, hey, look at the website, kids. Don't be so lazy. <laughs> There's a ton of material there. But other times when they need direct questions, we have folks who can do that. And we have all different kind of podcasts and websites and various kind of local media that are all looking for a representative of the Church of Satan. And that's not just in America. That's in many different countries. So I have people... In just about everywhere who are really capable of, of elucidating the philosophy and bringing it home in ways that will surprise the rest of the locals because they're often shocked that they they will try to say, oh, well, that, that church is saying that's just some weird American thing, right? It's like, <laughs> nope, nope, we're an international organization. And guess what? There's Satan is right in your backyard. And oh, 
by the way, you might really find them some of the most respectable people you've ever met. Oh, dear, isn't that a shock? And it's yeah. something that upsets a lot of these folks. And, and I continue with that, that I, I really work to, to uh, try to promote people to, to stand up for us who can and are willing and who have the ability to be loquacious and who really do get it, who have the kind of rational minds that can understand this broad framework that Satanism is, and to be able to answer questions that people throw at them by having that integrated philosophy as the foundation from which all answers could flow. Mm -hmm. And we're doing great. I am so proud of the people out there. You know, in our priesthood and our agents and, and you know, you carrying on the, the, the greater satanic conversation in nine cents. You know, it's a wonderful approach. And we look at it, people, uh, David Harris for a long time had his Satanism Today show where he oh, yeah. single-handedly got out there and discussed issues like on a weekly basis. Like really, he kicked people's asses and gave a satanic perspective with, with you know, very little help. Matt Paradise has done so much over the years with his wonderful videos and shows that dealing with satanic issues, especially applied to different cultural contexts. And, you know, Michael Rose and his magazine, and we've had uh, the Langs doing their thing. We just had all these people out there uh, talking about Satanism and, and really f just making it this wonderful culture of active minds, building on that bedrock that Anton LaVey created, showing how it can be applied so that if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I am very <laughs> confident that the Church of Satan would survive. Uh, when Anton LaVey died, people tried to question it. There was a, a reporter in San Francisco who wrote this sort of snarky piece, the Church of Satan has gone to hell. And it's like, well, you know, we'd rather be in reigning in hell than serving in what you'd consider to be heaven anyway, dude. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, uh, we were fine that uh, yeah. our founder died, but he left the right people in place who worked directly with him when he was alive, who knew how to keep it going as his vision was. We haven't changed it. We've applied it in a broader sense than he ever got the chance to, but we have not changed it. And that's the thing that aggravates so many people. Like some people want to say, oh, you're not progressive enough, meaning, oh, we haven't changed the Church of Satan to satisfy whatever your particular fetish is. Yeah. Uh, or that, uh, you know, we're somehow, uh, we're too Puritan or something. And our, the whole point is we have a philosophy that, that tells you that be yourself. It has such a broad range of application there is no restriction in that. I mean, we were, we're against doing things like, oh, yes, going out and raping children and, you know, and murdering people willy nilly. Like, oh, dear, what a what a stupid thing. Like, maybe we should change Satanism to that. And that would be progressive. I mean, there, there are people out there who are idiots who say things like that. And the whole point is our philosophy is rational. The strictures that we have are something that that allow for so much freedom there are aspects that that apply towards creating a stable society in which we can actually pursue our bliss on whatever level we want to that is not going to to put us in 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 a, a position where we're going to be persecuted by secularist governments mm -hmm. theist governments on the other hand will will basically uh go after anybody who doesn't share their particular fantasy of a sky daddy so you can't win with that level unless you completely go underground and so far we don't have to do that uh, one will have to see what happens over the next centuries as to whether theism will be really put back under control uh, once and for all and ultimately extinguished as our species gets its reason on. It, it would be nice. <laughs> I, I, I never underestimate the stupidity of mankind, so I don't think it ever will, but it would be nice. <laughs> um, I, I think that's, that's uh, really uh, an interesting thought that um, – you know, you you spoke to um, 
the satisfaction of having so many uh, wonderful individuals capable of effectively disseminating Satanism, uh, Satanic ideals, the philosophy in and of itself. Um, what are some of the frustrations that you experience in uh, in your interviews and your discussions with people about Satanism? Well, that still people are just too reluctant to actually read some material. That <laughs> totally drives me crazy. As somebody who, who figured out how to read when I was very young and absorbed a vast amount of literature from the get-go. I mean, I read sets of encyclopedia uh, to just sort of get myself, my, get my feet wet in reading. So uh, when I find young people today are too lazy to actually go and read an article of a few paragraphs to get the, the principles out of it, I just find that appalling that, that we now have this extraordinary fount of information in the internet. Granted, there's a lot of crap on there and you really have mm. to have well-developed filters. And I, that's something that I proposed years ago when it first began, that the most important thing in dealing with this growing technology was to really have proper filters to figure out what was simply just bullshit and what was actually relevant information that had some factual basis. But uh, people just don't read. And they want to see videos and the videos are slow and they're often thin. There's not a lot of material communicated. It's, 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 we're living in an age where people want everything on a light, an L-I-T-E version. Like mm -hmm. it's all information light. They don't really want to get down, dig deep and, and get to the nitty gritty of any subject. They just want a, a superficial gloss on most things. And I really think that that's leaving a whole society of people that, that have no real foundations for anything that they do. And of course, consequently, they feel rootless. And you see things, this kind of activism where people are just like, well, I want to be an activist. You know, about what? Like, what are your principles? What do you want to achieve? What is your vision? And they don't have any. They don't have principles because they've done no research. They don't know what's happened in the past. They don't know what's really happening now. They have this sense of wanting to be relevant. But since they have no information, they can't effectively act on anything. It's just kind of pathetic. At least in the 60s, you had people who were dealing with specific incidents that were happening. They were creating incidents. And they, they look to other philosophies to apply to contemporary rigid moral systems. And that was a way of shaking them up. They said, okay, there are alternatives. We look at what other people have done. We have new thinkers who are trying to come up with ways of looking at this growing society that was now offering alternatives of thinking that you didn't have to just be a lockstep member uh, and a, a, just a typical consumer zombie. Uh, nowadays, everybody's kind of a consumer zombie, but they want to feel that they're somehow special and mm -hmm revolutionary. So what do they do? They buy the right iPod and they buy the right sports shoes and they buy the right clothing and they think, oh, well, if everybody is buying that, I'll buy this brand. And oh, that's so revolutionary. I'm so against the grain. And it's just tiresome. It really is. It's, it's just such a, a, a sham and a mime that, that there is, these people aren't really doing anything revolutionary. They're just bored and they really need to study. Satanism demands study, not worship. And that's one of our biggest challenges to people. And frankly, that's also one of our greatest filters because too many people are really far too lazy to study anything. So mm -hmm. they really can't be actual, fully realized Satanists if they don't take the time to understand society, history, psychology, literature, uh, all these aspects of human culture. And, uh, and then understanding nature around them, understand science, understand the cosmos. 
the, these things are all relevant to what it means to be a human being. And we Satanists are very interested in the actual nature of this beast called man. And the rest of these people, eh, for them, it's just a, just a little skim. They, they don't really care. They can't be bothered. And if it's on, you know, not on Netflix and they can't just sit down and passively absorb it, then, you know, why bother? It is, it's wildly ironic in that before the internet, when it was a little bit more challenging to get information, certainly rare information, uh, secret information, people researched much more. Now that it's massively widely available at your fingertips on every single device, no one wants to research. <laughs> so well, and, and Satan, we, yeah, we see this every day. Like people write to the Church of Satan. They go to our website and our website has a contact button. But right next to it is the button that lists the frequently asked questions. So they have questions, uh, but do they click on the FAQ thing to even look at what some of the answers might be? No. They simply hit the contact thing, which tells them in the first paragraph before they even get to the place to fill in what they have to do. It tells them, read the fucking website first. <laughs> like, look at the goddamn thing and don't it's waste amazing. our time with typing at me. We've given this thousands of words on the website. There's lots of pretty pictures. There's videos. There's audio things they can download. There are many different forms of information on that website. But do mm -hmm. most of them even bother? No. They, they type in their lame-ass questions and hit send and, and expect to be spoon-fed. I mean, that, that sort of passivity, that's the thing that I find the most vile about what I see around me. That when I was young, if I found something like the Church of Satan website, I'd be thrilled. I'd read every friggin' page on it. I'd look at everything, and then I'd follow the links, and I'd buy all the books. And when I finally would have come to the point of saying, all right, I'm ready to throw in my lot with this, I would be prepared. There'd be mm -hmm. a lot of stuff to, so that I could make a decision. I mean, these people right now, they don't read anything and say, well, do you think this is for me? <laughs> it's like, how the fuck would I know? I don't know who the hell you are or what you do. I mean, really, it, it's just astonishing. A again, they, they want you to not only, uh, you know, spoon feed them information, but they, they don't even want that. They just want you to tell them, yeah, this is for you or no, it's not. And of course, they'll get the answer like, it's not for you. Move on yeah, yeah. because you're too goddamn lazy. It's just this is not what Satanism is about. Well, so it is an interesting idea because on, on one hand, and correct me if I'm wrong, part of the reason of creating a website is to, especially with the, the just the widespread nature, the global nature of the Internet, is to be able to disseminate effectively, concisely, without uh, versions, the fundamental principles of Satanism. And through that, people aren't... E the website exists. The information is there. If you read it, there is absolutely no way of you misunderstanding it. So, and yet people won't read it. So do you think that that's, uh, is that inherent in just the website or is that inherent in just people in general that the information is, isn't being presented properly? I guess the core of my question is, do you think uh, your original goal of the website achieved what you were looking to do? Well, I, I think it does it, it's again, it's our elitist stance. It does it for the mm -hmm. right people that we're not out there looking for a mass movement. We don't want to bring in people who are not willing to live by our principles because that's really Satanism is a challenging philosophy. It tells you to look at yourself and take the responsibility for your entire life and all of your values on your head. And I still think that that's something that only a small part of society will ever be inherently able to do. So it still works as a filter. 
Mm-hmm. These people will come by, skim it, and look for us to give them a rubber stamp, and we're not going to offer it. It doesn't mean that other people aren't going to pretend to be Satanists and, and not do that. They probably will and, and shall. But for us, I think we have to maintain our standards, that we are not going to dumb ourselves down for the masses because we don't want the masses. So for the right people, it serves a purpose. For the rest of them, let them move on, not interested in them. Um, a lot of what you find online is a restructuring and um, uh, just sort of facelifts of websites in order to keep up with what people expect to find on the internet. Um, the, the internet is very completely different and special that way. You don't find it in art as much, in my opinion. I mean, people have their favorite periods of art that they go back to, but or literature, for example. But when you go to websites online, people very much demand, well, you have to be up to date. You have to be the way I want you to be right now or else you are somehow irrelevant. You did go through and you did redesign the website. What were uh, part of the core reasons for that? Uh, What informed that decision? Well, I think actually for that very principle that you've just mentioned, that people, if they look at something and just by the very face of the, the, the presentation, that it isn't quite up to what they expect, then uh, they, they wouldn't even bother. And the thing is, for the most part, I really don't care about people who really live in such shallow ways. Right. But th- there were, there's enough people out there who are young who need an introduction to things before they can actually make a real decision. And frankly, there were newer technologies that we wanted to, to roll up into what we were doing to present what we have more effectively. And I think that was a major issue for giving a revamp. The content is, is still there. Uh, it's been expanded and it continues to expand. And uh, again, like I think that it's interesting that we find ways of addressing what's going on in the world and that uh, for people who are looking not just for a background to use as a perspective, but to see how it's applied, we're, we're doing it. Uh, you know, we have our news feed where we, we comment on things, the third side intelligence feed that, that gives Satanists from our registered members up to our you know, ordained priesthood a chance to comment on, on social issues in a way that's, that's unusual from what's being presented in the media. And of course, now to celebrate the year 50, I'm relaunching the Black Flame as a news feed, uh, part of that news feed section of the website, where it'll be more of a satanic lifestyle that it show ways people are applying Satanism. It's not philosophy. It's not news. It's how have you taken Satanism and applied it in your life? Uh, what do you do with it? Uh, you know, there can be interviews with people who have done interesting things with it. And I mean, as again, <laughs> the people who've been to our recent conclave will have found our members do some rather amazing things. Oh, yeah. So uh, we, we'll be getting that out there to our, our broad audience because that's really part of the history of our organization. Our organization isn't – its history is not told in building structures that, that grow and are torn down over time. What our organization about is the lives that are led. Each Satanist's life is a monument to the efficacy of Satanism. And so our threads will then be exactly that, those, those monumental lives. And really, they can be in, on any level. You know, okay, are you applying Satanism to be an awesome chef? Or can you, you know, do some great woodworking and make a fantastic table? Like what, what aspects of life that your love of life that's fueled by Satanism have you honed into an interesting uh, level of perfection? And that's what we want to see shared to show that, that Satanists are such vital people because we all know it. 
when we deal with each other, that's something that's self-evident to us. But uh, for the outsiders who are really curious about us and are going, well, do they worship the devil and sacrifice cats? Because, of course, they <laughs> still do that stupid stuff. Uh, they can go, no, uh, gee, look at this guy. He's like the fire chief locally and look at his record. And uh, here's somebody who is, uh, you know, one of the top chefs at, at a you know multi-star rated restaurant. And here's somebody who's making awesome costumes or, or jackets or something. Uh, you know, here's somebody who's customizing cars who will blow your minds with what he can do. And, you know, here's here's a great, you know, soloist who could play the guitar and, and, and again, revive a aspect of it that nobody's been thinking of for a while or has been marginalized. And and here are some cutting edge bands that are living life to the fullest and showing satanic decadence for all of its worth. There's just so many avenues that this can take. And uh, the vitality of our people is something that I, I would like the world to see. I see it. Peggy sees it. We are in a unique position to appreciate all the magnificent things that all of you do. And now I think it's time to let more of the world in on that wonderful secret. I want to I want to touch on that again here in just a minute um, in this next section, and I think we'll close down this uh, uh, this section with uh, this question here. Um, do you see a time when you will no longer need to correct false impressions because Satanism is so prevalent? The understanding is so prevalent. Well, you know, I talk about how comedians have used a sort of context of Satanism to make jokes. And if you read my piece on the website about that, uh, you'll see that uh, we've been getting out there that, that folks who are, are professional comedians know enough about what we really are to make jokes that they expect people to get because they really, the Church of Satan has provided a context. You know, we've been around for 50 years now. And that aside from the goofy things in horror movies, that you'll watch these comedians and you'll see them having Satanists as, oh, we're trying to do like ecumenical stuff in our office place. And uh, we have Satanists, too, that have to be thought of. Oh, who are they? Oh, they're the tech guys. You know, things like that. That's out there, that there's definitely this idea of, of Satanists as being efficacious people. Uh, that current show Silicon Valley has a character who's a Satanist. And he's <laughs> yeah. clearly tech savvy and, and you know, <laughs> he's, he's trying to be part of a startup business and, and you know, make his fortune. So that's a help for us that uh, there, there is an ever greater growing context and understanding among society. And, and the very fact that, that, that humor is directed towards us, that is apt. It's not just making fun of, of, of you know, a bunch of metal heads who are you know, cutting the heads off of cats. Uh, those stereotypes are, are fading. Mm -hmm. And new ones of Satanists as kind of being unusual folk who are, who are often very good at what they choose to do. Those are accurate stereotypes for us. And now, yeah, we might be weird. We might have a different aesthetic. And, uh, but uh, we're folks who, who can get the job done and can be fun to be around. Like that stereotype is, is growing. I don't think that in my lifetime we'll ever get to the point where we don't have to correct false impressions. It's, I don't think it's enough time. I think yeah. that, again, we're a young religion. 50 years is nothing. And, you know, even though communication is so instantaneous now and culture spreads at a rate that, that is, you know, like wildfire uh, because of our, the Internet and, and other kinds of media, I still think that it's going to be a long time before the understanding will be out there that Satanism is so broad-based and that it does have so many different kinds of people in it that, you know, it will get to the point of being recognized as play things like, you know, Judaism and Christianity and, and he, you know, because Wicca has been around a little longer than us and people still have weird ideas about them. And of course, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has certainly got a lot of weird stuff 
in public perception, you know, they have a show, Big oh, yeah. Love, and then there's a Book of Mormon musical mocking them. So you, you get, you get, they get all levels too. And hey, you know, maybe they'll be the, you know, the Satanic Bible, the musical at some point, you know, written by some awesome. funny people. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that kick ass? And, yes. uh, yeah, and then and then you know a show about like oh gee here's like a, a satanic polyamorous group you know what are they doing uh, you know probably having a better time than the Mormons did <laughs> so uh, you know we'll get there I think I don't hmm. think Satanism is going away uh, but uh, we're still mired at a time when there are a lot of misunderstandings and we also have a bunch of pseudo and neo Satanists out there muddying the waters that hmm. they use the term Satanism for their own political agendas. And uh, that's kind of putting out aspects of uh, Satanism that aren't clear. They expect that our context will somehow support them. And then they deviate, deviate off into all these crazy directions that, that really aren't logically consistent. So uh, in time, in time, I, we're the ones with the literature. We're the ones with an actually coherent and detailed philosophy that continues to be applied by all of our, our writers and, and, and people who live it to such broader scales that I think that we will continue to define Satanism for time to come. Uh, but but it, you know, it will really depend on how society begins to embrace us. And that's not something we can predict. Mm -hmm. Another important aspect of this year 50 was a unique publishing event. Uh, Reverend Merciless stepped forward and brought out a special edition of the Satanic Bible and Rituals by our founder Anton LaVey in one hardcover volume. This has never been done in the English language before, and it's really a wonderful product. For all of you who've been wanting a hardcover version of these books to have in your altar, in your library, uh, or just as your regular reading, now's the time to get it. it. It is a limited edition, and it is very finely put together. I think you will appreciate it and cherish it, so go to the website for Rabid Crow Arts and Graphics and order your copy now. It is not going to be available forever, so step up and grab it while you can, because you're going to want it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those items that is madly requested and sold oh, after it's yeah. gone out. No, absolutely. This, it's definitely a real collector's item, and everything was put into it to make it stand as that. It, it's been asked for for years, and now it's mm. here. <laughs> so don't hesitate. Yeah. Don't sit on it. Go do it now. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the the richness of the Church of Satan's members. What makes you proud about the Church of Satan's members? I know that's broad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is pretty broad. But then again, our, our, all the people who joined are, they're, are really wonderfully unique individuals for the most part, that they've had the courage to step forward and throw their lot in with us to, to accompany us on this journey of supporting a philosophy that's carnal and individualistic uh, to whatever extent they can. Uh, we have people who can be open about it, and uh, that, that's depending on where they live, it can be a very brave thing to try. And sometimes it, not, it may not necessarily be the best course of action for them. And certainly we caution our members to be very careful about deciding whether to be out or not about mm -hmm. their affiliation, because they can find a lot of hurdles thrown in their way. And, and I, I don't think that's going to change societally for rather a while. Yeah. But then we have uh, uh, members who really are effective at making the world 
shift in different directions by being clandestine. And that's something that uh, the level that that's being done by some of our members is truly astonishing. And again, we're at a point where we can't necessarily speak up in public about a number of these things because it would totally hamper what's being done. That's, again, part of what we always say that Satanism is not a cause, you're the cause. And if you as an individual, your causes are to move the world in ways that bring about greater uh, chances to uh, basically exercise your freedom and reason and live a fulfilling life, then if they have to remain underground for all of their lives, then that's what they're going to do. But they're doing Absolutely. it. And that's what makes me proud. But, but not just that, not just the major movers and shakers. And we know that those people are there. And now more of you know because you attended the conclave and saw some very interesting secret presentations. Absolutely. But uh, just the regular people who join the Church of Satan, people who's, who are carnal individuals, that they have found a way of really smashing the hurdles that have been put up in their lives, hurdles that, that other philosophies that were forced down their throat as children, that they had been proselytized into, when they could finally step out and have the freedom to choose something that reflected their own natures, they saw Satanism, it defined a lifestyle, an approach to, to existing that let them get past a lot of problems that they had to really bring their lives into fulfilling directions. And that goes on just local levels of just you know, being able to find the right partner and to raise a family in a way you want to, to, to you know, achieve having a home and, and uh, you know, being efficacious, whatever kind of employment that you seek. And again, Satanism doesn't require you to be you know, the gold medal Olympian. Satanism says, do the best you can with what you have. That's the important thing. And never to feel in any way ashamed of not being some kind of unbelievable superstar. Satanism mm. says to each individual that when you've done the best that you can, then you are a superstar of your own. You are the star of your own life. You're the one who makes those values. And by cherishing yourself, your, your own individuality, your own godhood being the central point in your entire perspective, then you can find that kind of satisfaction in life. And I'm so proud of all the different people I run into who join and that I meet and who come visit and I've seen around the world that they live lives that are satisfied. And they tell me about how they've achieved it. It's always interesting. Often they've had many crazy hurdles to get past. And their, their heroism and bravery in doing that is inspiring. And that's astonishing. It, it, it always makes me feel that much more invigorated to, to fight the struggle of, of keeping this out there and making sure this information is available and unsullied and undiluted so that People like that can can have something that will be a tool that's going to give them an awesome life. And mm -hmm. really, that's that's great. How these all these re other religions promise people that if you follow their dictates that once they die, then they're going to get a reward. Yeah, well, <laughs> great. Right. Like uh, you want to believe that I've got a bridge to sell you. Uh, but we, we actually offer a philosophy that people can apply. And if they're willing to do it, they do see improvements in their lives. And that's pretty damn concrete. And it's very carnal. And, and seeing, again, how people all do this, I find it very inspirational. So I guess on the other side of that, <laughs> is there anything that frustrates you <laughs> about amongst our members? Amongst our members, uh, the, what, the one thing that I find can be frustrating sometimes is because our membership is so immensely diverse mm -hmm. that members, they, they don't listen to a very ground rule that I give is that we're a mutual admiration society, but that means that you don't have to like everybody else who is in the society. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that Satanists, because of, again, their very individual ways of pursuing their own lives, we don't expect them to like each other. Uh, that's why we don't do gatherings all the time, because, again, these would be ways that people would rub each other the wrong way. What we don't want people to do who are members is to be fighting with each other in public. With the model of a mutual admiration society, which Anton LaVey established, the concept is to support and laud those whose efforts you actually find something that you want to support. If you're not interested in them, just don't deal with them. Avoid them. You don't have to have them as part of your life. The people that you want to interact with and, and have share your, enrich your existence, you have free reign to do that. But uh, every once in a while we get members who, who can kind of rub each other the wrong way and get kind of aggressive about it. And uh, we kind of have to smack them on the side of the head and say, uh, remember the model? Like, <laughs> deal with that. It's, it's like just because so-and-so is in this organization too and they found a different way of applying Satanism for them doesn't mean that you have to share in any of that. You don't have to like it. But uh, don't go against them. Don't turn this into some kind of war. Like we don't want cliques. We don't want this kind of internecine strife that often happens. In other religions, they're, they're often schisms because people decide, well, it's only got to be this way and it's only got to be that way. And right. oftentimes those come from political aspects. And, and naturally, as we've, we've said in our literature, that each Satanist's politics are their own. There is mm-hmm. no endorsed political platform for the Church of Satan because everybody has to find out what politics work best to make them live most happily. So it's in their hands. It's not something that we can mandate or dictate. And nor should we even try because it, it would really be pushing people in a way that that might hinder them. And we're here to facilitate our members living full lives, not hinder them in any way. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, we've spoken to um, members uh, communicating with each other um, and <laughs> with uh with the advent of the uh, internet and its pervasiveness in society there are so many different avenues of social media what are some of the ways that the church of satan is represented uh what are some of the ways that uh members could uh who wish to communicate with each other productively <laughs> hopefully <laughs> can well what we've done lately is that we have uh, capitulated to the public ubiquity of Facebook. So we have Facebook presence. We have a general one for the Church of Satan that just gets information out there. It kind of reflects our news feed that is based on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have an unofficial Facebook group that's out there where people who aren't members of the Church of Satan can participate, but it's run by our members and it has many of our uh, spokespersons on there to answer questions, to to directly answer questions, to point them to the literature on the website or in books so they can continue their studying of Satanism. And also, uh, you know, they get to rub elbows with other people who are interested in Satanism and and bona fide real Satanists who who Mm. can stand for it with the best of them. So that's a wonderful forum for that. Uh, And of course, they're they're, uh, you know, we are thinking actually of we're we're in the process indeed of trying to create a kind of satanic social network that uh, needs more development. But it'll be a way again to to keep that going, to make Mm. it a better way of, of our members to intercommunicate with each other, but also for outsiders to explore what it is to be a Satanist, to deal with actual Satanists, to learn from them. And uh, I think the possibilities are quite open to, to as again, this technology expands and alters itself fairly rapidly. 
we're trying to stay flexible with it and, and ride these waves and see where it can take us. So Whatever is going to be useful for us to communicate what Satanism is and with our wonderful members and representatives out there who can stand up for us, the ones who are willing to be public, they will help us. They, they, will, they create that public presence. And uh, that does become a bulwark. Uh, it shows that Satanism exists, that it's not just a mythology. It's not just some furtive people in a horror movie. But there are these fascinating folks out there doing all kinds of neat stuff. And they, they actually might be fun to interact with. So that will keep on going. That, on that idea, um, you know, it, it, if you are a Satanist and you're um, uh, using Satanism to uh, inform your passions in life, what are some ways that you, uh, as the organization, uh, the Church of Satan, highlight or feature those members' uh, activities or accomplishments? Well, our news feed is our primary way of doing it on the website, that any of our members who want their materials put out there for other people to see, we're happy to help that get done. Uh, so when you f just scroll through the news feed, and again, if uh, one is new to this, keep looking, keep scrolling. It goes back a long time. We, we keep it up there. We don't delete things from there. So uh, you find people publishing books. You find people's stories being published by you know people outside of Satanism. You find members who have bands, you have members who are doing tattoos, you have members who are involved in, in all different aspects of the arts. Mm -hmm. uh, it, there's just so much there. You scroll down and look and, and there's the richness of, of creativity of our members who can be open about their affiliation. Again, there are people that cannot be open, as I've said before. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to be on the news feed because they have to remain clandestine to achieve their goals. But. Well, it is always interesting whenever you hear someone ask, well, what do Satanists do? Well, this is the exact place that you would go to see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's and it's re it reflects the diversity of the Church of Satan and Satanists in general um, and the richness. I mean, it, it is really, it, it amazes me as a Satanist to see how many different avenues of life uh, Satanism influences and exemplifies um it's really really a wonderful thing are there is there ever time when you know a project just qu isn't quite up to par that you sort of hold back from uh publishing or are you pretty liberal with uh presenting what what is requested to be presented we're not trying to be judges for all different aesthetic standards simply mm -hmm. because we're not experts in every single one of them i can't look at uh a performance of music that I'm not familiar with and, and judge it with any degree of, of uh, objectivity. I mean, there, really, there's no objectivity, but I wouldn't even know what standards to apply based in, in what's considered uh, top-notch in that area. We're, the, what we're very judgmental about are things purporting to explicate satanic philosophy. That is something that we are the arbiters of. Anton LaVey created it. He entrusted us to be the ones who understood it as well as he did. I mean, he stated that directly to both my wife and I. We understood the philosophy equally to himself, and he stood behind anything we might say about it. So it is our job to make certain that if anybody's putting something out there discussing the philosophy, that it be on point. So mm -hmm. if there's things that people want to publish that wander off point, then we won't support that because our philosophy has to remain coherent. 
But when it comes to their own aesthetics and creativity, we're pretty broad about supporting whatever they do because we find that most people can find an audience if they're out there willing to put some effort into whatever it is they do, that even if they're beginners, they're what's starting out may show interesting potential. Uh, they can get support from other people who are doing it. They might find other mentors out there. Uh, or they'll just find people who've never tried something like that, who who are inspired by the fact that they actually decided to start doing something that they never did before. And whether it's the, the best or not, it can be inspirational to other people to try their hands at things, and they might discover that they have natural talents that they can run with. So we, we try to be a place of cultivation. This isn't a museum display of the best of the best. We're, mm. we're trying to, again, we're, we're in only 50 years into this religion, so we need our people do not be afraid to try things. We're not going to shoot them down. We're going to support them and say, you know, give it a shot. See what you can do with it. And we trust that you'll be critical enough because Satanism basically expects that as part of its fundamental principles, that you will have enough self-critical ability to know what is not so working out that you need to find improvement on. And you can ask for critical response from people that you respect who have done better in those fields from you. That we, Satanists are often very good at being mentors, that we're not impatient in that sense. I, I mean, unless somebody's like a complete idiot and, and a pompous <laughs> ass. You know, if, if somebody like really, you know, can play three notes badly and then comes to you and saying, yes, well, now I'm going to write to the next symphony, then you can kind of go, yeah, no, uh, sorry, uh, you need a lot more work to even, you can't even write a ditty, let alone a symphony. So uh, put some work in, fella or gal. Yeah. But but I, th I think that that we, we call ourselves elitists, but our elitism is in the sense of concentrating on our own self-godhood, that we create our values and that includes whatever it is that we produce and that we are smart enough to know that in a society where we are atheists, we are all our own gods. You got a hell of a lot of gods there, and not all mm -hmm. gods are going to be equal. That it's a pantheon that really varies. Like not everybody is Zeus. So we we understand that as Satanists, and we can look to others that we definitely admire, and might want to emulate or want to learn from. And by approaching them respectfully, we often can get some assistance, a leg up to help us on our path. And I think that's the real part of our cabal that works, that we find those connections. They're definitely, it's not something that, that's just out there and forced. It's something that you evolve. It's very organic. Mm -hmm. But when I see the news feed and you watch people, you watch them grow. You, you A new publication comes out there. Yeah, the first issue might be a little rough and need some improvement. But you know, when they get to issue five or six, wow, you know, they've gotten a, they've gone a long way. And they, they'll be attracting people with more talent who go, oh, that's kind of neat. That's a good platform. I, I might want to be part of that. So here comes my drawing. Here comes my short story. Here comes my poem. Uh, you know, musicians might say, I like that band. Maybe I could play with them. Or maybe I'll find people to, to do something similar and, and get off my ass and practice and write some yeah. stuff. And, you know, come up with some costumes and come up with an act. And the, you might try it out in the local club. Eh, it might be kind of stinky. But <laughs> if you if you work at it. It might go someplace and you might find you have a talent for it. Or more importantly, you might find it really isn't your thing and that it's it might be just a hobby that gives you pleasure and it should be kept to that level too. Because that's also something that we can accept as Satanists, that there might be things that we enjoy, but there's something that we enjoy doing for ourselves. We can do it for ourselves. We don't need everybody else's approval. That if we like it, that's all that it needs. It doesn't have to be put up there and judged by everybody else because we judge ourselves. And that's crucial to Satanism. Uh, in that light, um, 
know, we, we started this conversation talking about how the Church of Satan, um, as an organization, its goal is to uh, define Satanism and, um, and, and, and really defend that definition um, from naysayers or um, uh, pseudos. But we, we also, as the organization, champion its members uh, who wish to uh, share their passions. So do you see the future of the CUS being more about the philosophy of Satanism or more about the members um, exemplifying Satanism? Well, I think the philosophy is pretty solid. We've got Bedrock that Anton LaVey wrote, and I've done what I can to expand it into bring it into realms where I'm dealing with actual philosophers and scholars and academics and finding that uh, the right ones will, will approach me and listen to me and include me. You know, that that uh, book, The Devil and Philosophy, I had me arguing with some philosophers about various aspects of Satanism. And that's an achievement. That didn't happen before. There, there it is now. We have academics among us who are dealing with researching alternative religions and they're helping to get out a clear point of view of what the Church of Satan's philosophy is. So that's there. That that uh, basic literature is there, and certainly it can keep being applied more broadly, but but that we've got such a solid foundation on that, we don't need to recreate the foundation, and that what gets built on the foundation is how our members apply it, and I think that is definitely where the future, the next 50 years, is going to be rich for us, that as our membership grows around the globe, more people see themselves in our mirror and at a, get to a point where they are open about what they do. And it could be, they could leave a will after their death that say, by the way, I was in the church of Satan and oh, here's my empire. Uh, mm. Ha ha. You know, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> There's going to be more of that as the years go by. I know, well, I know it's, it's in the works in, in, in cases. So, uh, that our people will apply the philosophy, uh, and, and be seen for who they are is what's going to continue to bring the organization forward as something viable. We're a pathway mm -hmm. that people will look at and say, I wish I was like those Satanists. They seem to be having a hell of a good time. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they get along with their, they, they love their mates. They, they have happy children. They're not leaving home and, and, and going off to be something else. Uh, this is something that I think a lot of people could be jealous of. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> that they would befriend people and then learn that they're Satanists and, and know that Somebody who's been an effective part of their life, helping them and, and sharing joy with them, that that becomes an accepted part of the culture that uh, you could you could have. See, I'm looking for that to happen in, in fiction in time, that there'll be movies that have a Satanist as a character who's not a supervillain, that there'll be somebody that's that's around that becomes part of things. And, and I think that Silicon Valley is is in a first step in that direction, that one of the characters just happens to be a Satanist. That's that's really a huge step towards what means uh, an acceptance in a broader context for us as something that's established and not just a freak show. That there are really Satanists out there. Yeah, and it's not it's not a a milestone of the series or a plot line in the story. It's just well, this character he happens to be this moving on to the comedic value <laughs> yeah yeah um, and i mean that they make fun of it is fine you know they can rib the thing we, we certainly can stand ribbing you know oh, yeah. we're not we're, we're not uptight about anything and as anton lavey said a satanist has to have a sense of humor mm. uh, but but again that that such a thing has happened 
now at our 50th year finally that that somebody is just happens to be a satanist and it, it's it's not somebody who's just considered a complete freak or oddball <laughs> or, or or a passing you know yeah weird aspect of oh this week the satanist shows up Ooh. dun 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 <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's not like that and that's 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 damn fine and i i hope to see more of that as time goes on and i think we will because mm. the more people see how interesting satanists are Writers who are not Satanists might want to use characters who actually are because it'll enrich the fiction that they're creating. They'll say, damn, I could have a character like that. And whether he's a Satanist openly at the beginning or is seen to be one later, that could be an, an awesome pivot point for a plot. Uh, you know, again, not a freak show. It's, it's not like we're in some kind of a CSI or Criminal Minds show where you know, you know, the cows are disappearing and there's heads sitting <laughs> on the And then cows. we talk to some local kid who says, well, I may go to the heavy metal club, but Satanism really is, you know, about yourself, yeah. but still like got, you know, eye makeup on and, you know, 12 inch fingernails and wears a cape <laughs> on again. So, uh, yeah. no, they'll find that, that Satanists, I, you know, that big love show, I think, tried to do that for the, for the Mormon church in a certain sense. Of course, they sexed it up. It's, oh, you know, yeah. the, Mormons yeah. and the, the multiple wives are all beautiful people. It's kind of like, yeah, well, I think the Mormons wished it was all like that, too. <laughs> if they would watch it, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, that that uh, there could be things like that in the future. I, th I think that that may happen. We are often asked to have Satanists who would volunteer to be part of reality shows, and we generally turn that down because they often seek families to focus on. And at this point in history, it's rather dangerous for the children. Uh, they might be harassed in school, and depending on what the occupations of the parents are, they could find themselves put in hard situations. So it, it's, it's not comfortable oftentimes for Satanists to, to be so open about their affiliation in, in a society where bigotry is still rampant. But interestingly, now that we've reached the 50-year point, uh, there's been many Satanists who have raised children to adulthood. And we're going to be talking more about Satanic parenting in the years to come. And we'll mm -hmm. certainly see some of that in the new Black Flame thread that'll be on the website. And there'll be more literature written by our successfully parented children who will talk about how their parents treated them and gave them the freedom to be who they want to be. And the parents themselves will discuss how they figured out how to deal with whatever's going on in the school systems, whether they were in public school or whether they were homeschooled. Uh, there's so many different aspects because oftentimes in school situations, religion is somehow forced on them. And since we Satanists don't indoctrinate our children into Satanism, we teach them to see a bunch of religions and question them, we are often not so worried about the fact that there are other religious aspects being shown because mm -hmm. it's crucial for us to teach our children to be critical. And when yeah. we're critical, it doesn't mean that simply because somebody is, is doing a prayer in school or something that you have to you know, completely lose your shit. You just look at it as it's comparative religion. Be like an anthropologist studying some savage culture and it has a strange ritual or they have to say some goofy prayer to some sky daddy that I did that as a kid. I didn't find that because people dealt with religion in school that it had any influence on me. In fact, I looked at it as, as repugnant and something that I would be less interested in. Mm. Uh, I think people are too afraid that their children are just simply little blank sponges that will pick up everything around them. That the real satanic perspective on parenting and, and looking at the world as an adult is always to question. We question all things, always to have a critical stance. Keep reason at ready as your tool for judging things. And if you do that, then you don't have to worry about all this nonsense. It would be nice to reach a state where we have 
secularism widespread in our schools and that if somebody's going to go to an educational institution and have religion, it's one that you know is there in advance, like a, a school that's run by some kind of Christian sect or whatever other religious sect, that mm. you know in advance that you're getting that. But any kind of public system, there it should be utterly secular. It currently isn't, uh, but I'm not so worried about that because I lived through it. I think all of our intelligent, as I like to call them, our iron youth, they can live through it too. Uh, it, it's not going to stop them from being Satanists. Yeah. In fact, it, it challenges them to say, hey, I, I, wait a minute, you know, why are you doing this? Like they can make that question while they're there. We don't have to coddle them and make it so easy. We didn't have it easy. Uh, and again, children shouldn't necessarily be so coddled. The world is a struggle. And if you learn how to fight off what's going on, if you learn to pitch in there, if you learn to question, if you see the adversaries, you see what their agendas are, then you're far better prepared via education to survive in the, the broader context of the real world. Education is simply a part of the real world that you're subject to. And if you're homeschooled, it makes it easier. But if you have to be out there with the rest of the folks and deal with whatever curriculum is mandated, use your questioning mind to, to always analyze it and learn even more. Learn from the social dynamics that are there. I think yeah. we can meet that challenge as Satanists, that we don't need to be mollycoddled, that we can be strong. I like that. I liken it to um, you can you can be taught about uh, Christian thinking or uh, juvenile behavior or um, uh, social uh, experiments uh, with adults and uh, teaching uh, uh, structured education plans to children, or you can just go out and live with the apes, and <laughs> you learn so much more by being in it, really. And that's why I really don't personally mind um, having a, a, a Christian element in school because it, it provides an opportunity of education that I would not teach them on, the, on my side of it if they were homeschooled when my children. I wouldn't teach them the ins and outs of Christianity, but because it's just, it's irrelevant to my life. But they're going to get that taste when they go to school when they, you know, when they're, if, if, for example, they're forced to take a seminary class or they opt in to take a seminary class, I wouldn't stop them. That's their prerogative. They want to experience it. And they're going to learn so much more about the absurdity of it firsthand than I could ever show them through it, my That's lives. so true. That's so true that I always felt like I was an anthropologist when I was growing up, looking <laughs> at this strange species that I was surrounded by. And I think that position is a good one to cultivate in our children, that mm -hmm. they should always be observant. And again, the world is not something that is everyone's little oyster. It's yeah. a struggle that you're going to have to come to grips with situations where people will be wanting to force you to do things. And you have to figure out how you're going to deal with that. If, if you've never been uh, introduced to a conflict like that, then how are you going to deal with one? You have to have some yeah. experience with it. And that's what molds us. The, the life is always a crucible. And to, again, make people just mollycoddles and panty waists really is pointless because <laughs> then when something comes that isn't exactly everything all to their liking at the moment, then then you just get like pissy responses of, of stamping feet and whining. And, and hell, <laughs> nobody ever made, made a, a world based on that. Yeah, we see it a lot in uh, <laughs> modern protests. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this to close out this section. Um, 
I think it's easy when you reach a milestone as an organization to, you know, you're getting to the crest of that hill and you look behind you and you see all of the struggles that you had to get past in order to get to where you are and think, well, once I reach this pinnacle, this particular milestone, it's all smooth sailing from here. But even 50 years, you know, I mean, as you mentioned at the very beginning of this discussion, um, Anton LaVey had mentioned, you know, the first 99 years are the most challenging. We have 49 more to go here. Do you see, uh, or, or what do you think would be some hurdles that we would have to overcome in the coming years? Hmm. I think the hurdle is being washed into obscurity. Uh, with the vast amount of information that's out there, we could be marginalized completely at some point, mm -hmm. overwhelmed by other topics that become more relevant to whatever society is flocking to. But even still, we are always going to be a niche culture, I think, because we have that attitude of, of being for a select few, the people who are really carnal. We don't believe that everybody is carnal. Atheists often feel that if you could con talk to the theists and present them with the right arguments, that of course they're going to see the logic of their arguments and the silliness of their theism and suddenly go, gee, that was so dumb of me to believe in, in you know, God and Jesus yeah. or Buddha or whoever – or, or Allah, or whatever you want, uh, some, you know, Gamera, I don't know, whatever they want to believe in. Uh, but that's not the case. People adopt religions because they give them emotional support. It gives them security in a world in which they're generally terrified. They don't, on their own, know how to forge a way in existence, and they're looking for somebody else to guide them, take them by the hand, or order them in a direction, because they're even too afraid to, to be led. So they, they need orders. they got to be made to march. They're, they're basically zombies that need programming and uh, satanists aren't those kind of people so that even if the world is in a point where the programming for the zombies is the most rampant thing in the culture and frankly it's it's kind of in that direction now mm. we'll still be there we will still watch from the sidelines and we'll still use our pitchforks to try to move society so that it can at least offer us the freedoms so that we can follow our own pursuits that may be a difficult thing. We really don't know where things are going to go in the next 50, 49, 100, 500,000 years. Yeah. We don't know what our species is going to do. We don't know right now if this this last ditch effort of theism to, to make its way in the world and conquer things, how that's going to go if the theists win. We could be in trouble as Satanists. We would perhaps really have to go underground in order to survive. Uh, that would be a very tough thing. It would be back to, you know, witch-burning times. But as Dr. LaVey said, even then, the real witches were sleeping with the Inquisitors. They weren't being burnt at the stake. And you know, not necessarily we'd have to be sleeping with the Inquisitors, but <laughs> right. what he meant is that the savvy folk knew how to move along in society. They were the pragmatic ones. Satanism wasn't a cause. They didn't go, I'm a witch, fuck you, you know, burn me at the stake. It's like, no, no, no. That's because living well is always the best revenge. And we Satanists will always find a way to live well, regardless of what's happening in society around us. Hmm. So I, all that I can say for the, the heirs to come is to keep your wits about you. Be very aware of what kind of currents are happening in world society, whether theism is there or whether it's been isolated, expunged as it ought to be. We have to keep uh, awareness of all these different aspects of our society so that we can then live in a way that will fulfill ourselves. And for people who, who want to move society in directions that are more satanic, the world, the road is wide open for you. We have members doing that now. 
to be open about your Satanism is not the wisest course of action at this time if you're making those pursuits. Mm-hmm. The world can be moved in directions that are, are favorable to individualism and freedom and secularism through other less volatile uh, approaches, but ones that are, are really effective. So Absolutely. that will be an ongoing mission for Satanists who wish to take that stance that... Uh, I'm sure there's going to be heroic tales to be. There are heroic tales now being told. Uh, the stories are being written, and the, the tales will be told when we're free to tell them. Uh, and there will be many more as history moves on, because I do find our members are very heroic people when it comes to that, that they do hold to their principles, and they do wield them with expertise, and they do make their marks on the world. Yeah. Well, let's... Um Let's talk a little bit about uh, gatherings, about celebrations um, the Church of Satan uh, has has held. You know, a lot of people know about the 6606 event. There's a video on churchofsatan.com. Um, some people know about the Hellfire Caves. Uh, a, a number of discussions uh, on this podcast, actually, about it uh, have come up in the history. Um, what are some of the challenges uh, in your experience of, of organizing large gatherings? Well, it's important when you're going to get groups of people together that you have good managerial skilled people to do that. And uh, for the Year 50 Conclave that we just held the past mm-hmm. weekend in Washington, D.C., our Reverend Merciless was an amazing expert in being able to handle all the difficult details of, of sort of, you might say, herding cats, as they like to say, but getting <laughs> yeah. a bunch of Satanists together and showing them a good time in a town that has fascinating history, as well as all kinds of good food and interesting venues to explore. Uh, he picked the right places to do it. We had a concert with band members uh, who are all Church of Satan people doing various styles of music. Uh, we had, uh, I think what the heart of the weekend was our salon presentations where our members absolutely spent five and a half hours showing each other all the ways they've applied Satanism in their lives. And we videotaped many of them and we will be including a compilation at a certain point on the website to give the outside world a taste of some of those wonderful things. And again, as I said before, there are things that were not taped and shall remain secret for the present time so that they can be ever more effective mm-hmm. uh, in moving forward. But uh, yes, having the right point person to do that is an essential thing. And all kudos and hails to Reverend Robert Merciless for handling that with such wonderful aplomb. Absolutely. And he did such an amazing job of, we've been talking this entire time about how individualistic every Satanist is, how all of our tastes vary so dramatically. He did such a wonderful job of, despite that, being able to provide a unified experience that everyone, no matter what their personal tastes were, was able to take part and enjoy I mean, it was it was a really fantastic experience. Uh, and it left things open, too, because we didn't say you have to be at this part of it. There were different things yeah. going on, and it was a matter of choice as to which part you'd indulge in. And I think folks chose the parts that they would enjoy, and I think they thoroughly enjoyed them, as far as I could tell. 
What are some of the takeaways that, that you, uh, you have of these events? Well, I find that something like this particularly was meant to demonstrate how Satanism was applied. And I wanted members of the Church of Satan to see more of that. Certainly they can see what they experience online and especially in the news feed and when they deal with each other in the online groups where they interact. But there are folks who don't participate in those venues. And we wanted some of them to step forward and to kind of wow the rest of the members with the amazing things that they're doing. And boy, they did. <laughs> so uh, they could see that, that we really aren't just bullshitting about it. We, we really do have people out there who are truly uh, world shakers. You know, they, they move and shake. They mold the world according to their wills. They fight legal battles. Uh, and that's astonishing. They, they are really making history as Satanists. And the membership, I think, was energized by seeing all this kind of application. They all know what they're doing. They, they see what we've already shown them, but they got to see behind the scenes a bit more as to what's going on and, and what some of our, our, our key people are up to. And I think that's inspirational because whatever level they want to take their own lives in, they can also feel proud that Satanism offers limitless possibilities. And seeing how other individuals have run with those, I think is, is totally energizing. See, and that's the sense I got from it as well. Um, every discussion I had throughout that weekend centered around this, this idea of being blown away with other members. I mean, encapsulating the entire idea of mutual admiration society, really. Because it's it's easy as a Satanist just living your life. Maybe you connect socially with other people online, but you really are just centered and focused on your life. And you never really know what other people are doing out there or if there's other people out there. And so this sort of pulling back the curtain this past weekend for us was exciting and inspiring because you got to see that I'm not the only one doing that, applying this in my life. There are so many other people doing so many exciting and interesting and really informative things you know it, it, it makes you excited and, and it opens up realms of possibility that maybe you hadn't explored before so exactly exactly it's really wonderful um now i know you know we've been talking we just had the church of satan year 50 international member conclave in washington dc um and and we <laughs> We, we have spoken to this earlier in the discussion about, you know, we don't do a whole lot of uh, get-togethers and gatherings. That's not really what the Church of Satan is about. Um, but ultimately, I imagine another event would take place in some later time. What are the best ways for members who are interested that maybe missed out on this last event or one of the previous events that would be interested? How, how could they... Um, how could they find out about them when they happen so that they would be able to uh, participate? Well, part of the important uh, responsibility for members is that our website is where we do general communication to them about what's going on. We don't mail things anymore. It's, that's, those days are long gone. It's like, you know, we don't use cuneiform tablets and we don't have Pony <laughs> Express. So we also don't just send out letters to people. Those days are done. So they need to follow the news feeds on, on our website. And for the new year, I basically told people as part of my New Year's greeting that they should step up and communicate with us. Let us know 
how we can get in touch with them if we need to. Let us know what they're doing with their lives. Uh, basically, uh, say hello. I've been a member and here's what I've been doing all these years that you haven't heard from me. And by the way, if you need to get in touch with me, it's here. And then the responsibility is to keep following the news feeds. When the time comes, they can be put in touch with uh, we have other groups aside from the unofficial Facebook group that are for members and they can be part of that if they're members in good standing and they will then have information delivered to them for any kind of larger gatherings we're going to do. And indeed, there will be more coming. One of the things is that we don't want them to become something that's routine. That yeah. if we had a conclave every year, people would be like, well, I could go to this one, but they go to next year. And We don't want that. We want conclaves when we have them like the 666 and the Hellfire Caves to be something that's unique and earth-shaking and and something that will be something that you'll never forget. We don't want it to be a boring, oh, yeah, I could go to that convention again. Or, hey, it's like Chiller. Yeah, I went to Chiller. Oh, whose autograph mm-hmm. did I get? You know, I stood yeah. online for Elvira or whatever. You know, <laughs> we don't want that to be that way. We want it to be, again, something that will just be a, a totally fresh and unique experience. So they will happen. We'll often do something that makes sense for us to commemorate something, uh, some aspect of our history or do something in a place that is relevant to Satanism. But we won't be doing it on a yearly basis to wear out the the, the fire of it. We don't want to dull it down. Mm-hmm. But people can get in touch with us. And, and if they haven't stood forward, they should go back and read the uh, New Year's announcements I made. They're still there on the web page. If you, you go back to the, the news feed on Tumblr, uh, news.churchofsatan.com, you can find it. And you can read that stuff and step up and do what it said to do. You know, let us know. Let us know who you are. Let us know where you are. Let us know what you're doing. And then we can include you in the things that we're planning on doing. If you'd like to be included, if you if you're not interested, that's fine too. Uh, so many people join the organization and have over the years. And the first and last time we hear from them is when they join, and we send them their red card, and we often don't hear from them again, ever. Sometimes mm-hmm. we hear that uh, they passed away and they're spouse or their children have discovered this hidden in their sock drawer or something and go, wow, I didn't know, you know, dad or mom or uncle so-and-so was a member of the Church of Satan and we wanted to let you know that they passed. We, we get those contacts from people. That, 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 that is how it is for some people, that their affiliation it gives them a sense of self-satisfaction and they use that to, to fuel whatever they're doing in their life, but they don't feel the need for any other contact with us. And that's totally fine, too. We, we don't, re- again, we're not like a church that you got to come every Sunday and get on your knees and sing some <laughs> hymns. Like, yeah. That's not what it's about. It, it's, we are, as Peggy, my wife, has said, a user-friendly organization that it can adapt to whatever suits your life best. But for those of you who do want to be involved in possible future larger gatherings, then you got to step up and, and make yourself known and send the scan of your card and, uh, you know, be there, be, be, be on the list. Um, and again, when we talk about large scale gatherings, people think, well, you know, that's the only thing that we do, but I don't know about you, but I'm meeting with Satanists like every week. I have people that I, I regularly go with. We have regular screenings here at the black house. We watch films. We have, we discuss them. We talk about the actors, we talk about the screenplays. We talk about their uniqueness in history. Uh, I do music lectures here at the Black House for my friends. I talk about various classical music and film scores. And uh, we have, of course, here in the haunted Hudson Valley, we've, we've kind of done something unique. And that a lot of members of the hierarchy of the Church of Satan now reside in fairly close to each other. And we often have things going on at each other's homes. 
Uh, as I told you, when we just before we <laughs> began the interview, I just came from uh, one of our members' homes helping to install a beautiful nude Venus statue in the yard. So <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've always got something going on. And the thing is, our members can do that for themselves. If you befriend other members, and you don't have to, but if you find other members who, who really do share something, they, they feel enriched by being in your company and you with them, then do things that you like to do. Uh, have a good time. Go bowling. You know, have a dinner. Have a barbecue. Uh, you know, go kayaking. D- you know, climb, do rock climbing together. You go visit historic sites together. Uh, mm-hmm. We never s- prohibit that. That's something that we've always done. When I joined the Church of Satan years ago, we started doing that. We never felt that there was any kind of prohibition against that. And I think now with the way the internet is, it's it's very easy for people to to get in touch with each other and do things with other folks that you like. That's that's what Satanism is about. Not going to some place and, and you know saying hail Satan and putting a cape on, lighting black candles. Like that's that's again behaving like other religions. Like we have to gather and we have to do this and say these words. That's not what this is about. It's about yeah. living your life. And if you find other people who share your interests, then then share your interests with them and have a good time. That's what the Church of Satan is about. It's fantastic. Well, you've been really, really generous with your time, and I do truly appreciate it. Um, let's talk a little bit about the future um, before we, we end our discussion, if we can. We've talked a lot about this uh, throughout the discussion, um, about how Satanists are applying Satanism uh what you expect out of the future of the Church of Satan, uh, how it's seen, I'm sorry. Um, what do you think about Satanism, Satanism as a movement uh, moving forward? Uh, do you think, I, I don't even really know how to ask this, are you concerned at all about the future of the Church of Satan and Satanism? Is it something that you're confident in? It's going to continue in, in the way that you have done such a wonderful job of, of setting it on its course. I'm confident that with the bedrock that Anton LaVey created, which was really an astonishing insight into the human animal, that he pegged a type of person that's out there. That's mm-hmm. part of our species. It may not be the predominant part of our species, but our folks are out there. And as long as we can keep the literature out there, and whether it's on websites freely available to folks or whether it becomes something that people in the future have to pass in secret, you read the satanic Bible, like knock on the door and say Beelzebub and you'll get your copy and you have to take it home and read it and burn it before the authorities come after you. Regard, yeah. You know, however it's going to be, whether it's, you know, it's one click away or the, the, the handwritten copy that somebody hid under a you know, basket and you had to find in the forest or whatever. Uh, it's going to keep going. I'm certain of that. I think the ideas are very powerful that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think that We've applied them and showing we've shown here in 50 years that it is something that is an effective way for our kind of people to live, that we live full and satisfied lives and that the people that we share ourselves with enjoy our presence in their lives. That's something that's a value that is to the individuals who are living the life and to the ones who surround us. As I've always said that we are our own gods, but we can be benevolent gods and we can offer our beneficence to the people around us that we cherish. And we do. We enjoy our lives. We have a good time. And that joy is infectious and we share it with other people. So I definitely see this as being something that's going to be around for a long time. But we have to flow with what society does. I would like Mm -hmm. to see it becoming 
more easily available and that people can see us for what we are. Uh, Anton LaVey had a specific way of approaching it. If you looked at his bibliography, you'd notice that he mentioned a book called The American Jews. And he looked at how the secularism of Jews in America led to a, a people that saw themselves as apart, but they could work with each other in a very secular style to promote education and to promote the arts and to promote success in business and to live satisfying lives. And, and he felt that that's a good role model for Satanism for the future, that we see ourselves not as uh, just an alternative religion, but almost as, as an alternative ethnic, even though we are comprised of people from all of these different cultures, that mm. eventually people will look at them and go, oh, that's a Satanist, you know, that, that there's just something about them that exemplifies that black flame within us. And that goal is something I think that might come about. Uh, but that will happen because we Satanists show the world that we really are a, a different type, but a valuable type, an interesting type, and a fun type. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this in closing, a uh, bit of a tease here: Are you working to uh, cultivate the next generation of who will be the future keepers of the Black Flame? Oh, that's absolutely in progress. You know, as I said before, I talked about cultivating spokespersons for the organization, mm -hmm. and we're we're very I'm very happy with how that's gone, and we have so many great people out there, and you'll watch their interviews and such that we we put up. There's several coming up that you're gonna you're gonna really enjoy uh, that will be posted on the news feed because we, they're always being done you know way in advance usually, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, with our the Satanists who have raised children, their children are often wonderful exemplars of the black flame. And with our literature getting out there to more and more people in more and more languages, folks are, are stepping forth at an ever greater rate to identify themselves as Satanists, following the philosophies of Anton LaVey and wanting to be part of the Church of Satan in its implementation of those ideas. So it's going to happen. One of the reasons uh, we created uh, here in the haunted Hudson Valley uh, a new black house was to give another icon for people to enjoy, to show that uh, dreams can become reality. Uh, my wife and I always, uh, when we grew up, the Munsters and the Adams Family were on. They, they were broadcast. We watched them the first time they were shown. <laughs> so we saw those. And as children, we didn't see that as freakish or something ugly or hideous or to be laughed at. We looked at them as role models and said, I want to live like that someday. Mm -hmm. And that had been a dream of both of us. When we met later, we talked about it and for a long time, living in Manhattan was important for us to be really at this uh, nexus point for so many things that are happening in, in world culture. But as we've gotten older, a time came where we decided that that dream that we both had, there was time to bring that into reality. And so we bought this amazing Victorian house in the Hudson Valley that is definitely Adams Family styled with a tower and all of that. You know, you've been here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a, it was a crack house. And we had to to start from scratch and restoring it and bringing back all the historical details. For us, this was a, a major bringing together of, of two dreams that, that two strange, unusual children shared separately and that we've built a life together, my wife and I, and that uh, this is a culmination of our love for each other and of our aesthetics and for uh, where we want to to be, to we, our total environment. We, we did it. We made it happen. And we can therefore stand like Dr. LeVay did before in his black house as exemplars of leading 
the life that you want to lead, you can make it happen. That uh, we do have dreams, but we don't sit around and hope somebody else is going to make them happen for us. We make them happen. And I think that's what Satanists will keep doing into the future. And they'll keep moving the world. They're, they're going to be noticed. And that's where Satanism shall be in the future. Once that Baphomet gets shown, whether it's you know, on a pin, small pin, or whether it's somebody's wearing it on a T-shirt or it's tattooed on them, people will look at that and they're going to know what that means. And it's going to mean Satanism and the Church of Satan and the brilliance of Anton LaVey and the vital lives of all of the people who follow that philosophy. Um, if I can take a step uh, out of the uh, interview really quick, uh, sure. I, I did just want to say that growing up as a young man, the only exposure of Satanism was through the lens of a Mormon household, and it was very much demonized and uh, completely misrepresented. Um, growing up uh, with a, a a healthy passion of the occult, I, I looked into Satanism and uh, read the, the Satanic Bible and l really started looking into and being aware of the Church of Satan and the, the history of it as it's been documented in, in various publications. I've grown from a fear to a desire to a healthy respect to completely feeling at home as a part of and so proud of the organization. And and I just have to say, um, and I don't mean to sound like a brown nose or an ass kiss or anything, I am so incredibly impressed with um, what both uh, yourself and uh, your wife, Magister Andramia, and uh, Magister Barton have done in maintaining, representing, defending, and exemplifying Satanism through the Church of Satan, and you've done such a wonderful job, and it means so much to so many of us. I just, I really wanted to kind of take a step back and say thank you for everything that you've done. These this 50 years are a testament to your struggles and your daily fighting with insane people out there, and just ignorance of not wanting to put in the time and effort of discovering truth, and you've done such a brilliant job of, of holding that black flame uh, high and, and, and really stoking it and, and making it burn so much brighter. Um, so thank you. Well, thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts, definitely. It is satisfying to be appreciated by people whom we admire. And we admire you and many of our members who we've encountered to see that they really do live the philosophy mm -hmm. and that our defending of it isn't in vain that it helps supply all of you with really the, the, the equipment you need to, to burn your black flame ever brighter. And that's a great satisfaction to all of us. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time, uh, being so wonderful with your time and discussing this. It, Church of Satan, 50 years, it's, it's really amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, raise my hand in the sign of the horns for another thousand uh, to come and more. Um, until we can chat again, uh, Megas Gilmore, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Thank you so much for sharing the time with me. And here's to the ever vital Church of Satan. All of our members, hail you all. <laughs>